It is Friday, January 22nd, the year 2021, and Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Special guest Michael Regai is with me here tonight to uh, dive into our exit interview edition of the uh, Browns 2020-2021 season. We are working through a little bit of... uh, technical difficulties i think we've got it figured out here for tonight's uh, show and uh glad to have you on michael brad it's always a pleasure to be with you and especially to uh to talk browns football with you after uh i think a fun and exciting year i think we'd all agree on that no question it was uh, a tremendous year uh you know the way i feel coming out of it, it it was just so sudden at the end it was hard to deal with but uh Let's let's do this. Uh, Michael Regai is uh, one of uh, my all-time favorites, uh, Cleveland sports talk legend and play-by-play uh, voice of the city for many years. Uh, is now calling games for ESPN College Football uh, and ESPN College Basketball. Uh, how is that season going for you, Michael? Is it still uh, a lot of uh, pandemic uh, issues that you have to navigate with all that? Now, Brad, the, as you know, the football season was uh, you know, was certainly different. And for a guy like me who's used to calling 15, 16 straight weeks of college football on a Saturday, I called four games this year. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, because of all the conferences, as you know, that uh, none of them except the SEC uh, began uh, as normal in late August, first week of September. As we know, the Big Ten, the MAC, did not uh, start playing until late in October. So kind of what ESPN did, quite honestly, is and they told us, uh, number I never left the state of Ohio in the four games I called, and we knew that uh, they let us know we're going to spread them all out amongst all you people because it's the only fair way to do it. So, of course, that meant uh, nowhere near as many as I'm normally calling. So, you know, for someone of me like me that just loves calling the game and so passionate about it and loves the preparation and loves everything about it as a football guy, you know, that, that that's probably the roughest football season I've had, Brad, in, uh, oh, I don't know, three, four decades, quite frankly, to be honest with you. So we'll see. Hopefully everything will – get us back uh, where we get more normal in 2021. No question. That uh, I think that would make us all happy for sure. Uh, fans in the stands, uh, guys calling games in the buildings. I know, you know, some of those NFL games, guys were calling from their basement there for a couple mm-hmm. weeks. So uh, mm-hmm. pretty wild stuff. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, our exit interview edition of rounds 2020. 21 season with special guest Michael Regai. Excited to do it here tonight. Lots to get into. Uh, let's start off with uh, how it ended at Arrowhead on Sunday. Um, a couple of decisions down the stretch that you know you kind of go back and and some people disagreed with. Let's start with the uh, fourth and nine in your own territory. Five minutes left. Uh, the Browns choose to go ahead and punt the ball there. I didn't really have an issue with it, Michael, because, uh, you know, the way I kind of think of it is that if Mahomes was in, I would have had more of an issue with it. I, I kind of sure. said, let's go. Uh, but with Henny on the field, I didn't have an issue with it. Did you have an issue with them punting there, or did you want them to go? 
You just said it, man. I, I mean, if Mahomes is on the football field, uh, one hundred percent. You know, you got to you got to understand if we punt this football, there's a real good chance we're never going to see it again, and we're putting the shoulder pads and the helmets away uh, uh, for about another nine months. So, I didn't, Brad, and I know that probably goes against conventional wisdom, but. Uh, regardless, which I'm sure we'll talk about, as we know, the Browns' defense wasn't exactly the most intimidating or stout in the NFL this year. But that having been said to me, again, Pat Mahomes, Chad Henney, I'm going to believe, you know, with a decent punt, they're going to start, you know, maybe at their 10, 15 yard line. And you could probably even allow a first down and you're still going to get the ball back with a couple of timeouts left. Although that's another story. I, you know, Kevin Stefanski, so great this year. I, you know, obviously outstanding with everything he put together scheme wise and as a leader. Uh, the two timeouts that he used, uh, in my mind, in the fourth quarter, where never, ever, ever should have been used, did come back to haunt him. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So, but no, that's a long-winded answer for no. I'm probably punting the football there, Brad. You know, at fourth and two, fourth and three, maybe that's a different story. It was fourth and nine, was it not, sir? It it was fourth and nine. Fourth and, and uh, nine. See that 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 changes the whole scenario big time there. You know, so yes, I'm punting the football, and unfortunately, the Browns did not get the football back. Yeah, unfortunately, and, and it took a, a crazy play call from one of the best to, to ever do it, uh, Andy Reid, a uh, wild play call. I don't know anybody else that would do that. But you're right, you know, and you brought up my next point was going to be the – there's two, and I kind of question the process here because so all, all year long the Browns have been so good at the, uh, the details, right, the preparation, the details – the challenges, so they yep. missed a challenge in the first half that they should have challenged and gotten it, right. and then they challenged a play right. They happened right in front of the bench, and I'll give them that, that everybody was waving their hands, you know, incomplete. But that should not have been challenged. No, that was a catch, uh, I don't know Brad, if he, right? That was a catch. Yeah. Caught the football. Yeah. And uh, see, again, now there's – we don't – but, you know, those upstairs – should have, uh, you know, to me, got Kevin, no, uh-uh, no, that's a catch. We're not going to challenge that. No, we can't, yeah, we're, we're going to burn a timeout here if we challenge this. Yep. But obviously, that didn't happen, so. Yeah, that's absolutely where I was going with it, is, is it feels like that should come from upstairs, and it should have been done quicker, and they were both really not, like, you know, it's not like they were that blatant of a, uh, uh, it should have been recognized from upstairs and gotten the word down quicker. And yeah. and that timeout was huge, uh, very costly. We're talking the difference between, you know, um, well, I guess it, it didn't really end, uh, end up mattering in the end because they got the first down. But it would have been the difference between two minutes and a minute and 20. Yes, and, and, uh, and if you do get the ball back, look at the difference there. Yeah. With uh, with even one timeout that you'd have at your disposal. So, again, I, I don't want to harp on it. discussed it with my son, Cal. We went, you know, back. And, and I hate uh, because it's uh, – but, but look, I, I put it this way to make it uh, – to me, it makes me put it in great perspective. This was Andy Reid you were coaching against, right? Andy Reid. I don't know about how old you feel to me. 
this is one of the very finest head coaches in the National Football League. And Kevin Stefanski in his first go-round as a head coach in that kind of setting, in a a less than a touchdown game difference right in the fourth quarter. You just said it, Brad, a moment ago, and I just said it very, very well. Look at a couple of the play calls that Andy Reid, he just ran his offense with Chad Henney instead of Patrick Mahomes. Now, how many NFL head coaches do you know would have the uh, you-know-what to to do that? I don't think all of them would. Hell, I'm not sure half of them would. Um, I was uh, a couple of – well, when Henney threw the pick, and it was like they punted. Henney just threw you know, that pick he threw up into the end zone. <laughs> he, like, did. he did. I, I don't know. Andy Reid called that going vertical you know, right yeah. now with a five-point lead this late – but anyway, I mean, what I'm saying is, no disgrace, Kevin Stefanski. No disgrace. You learned from it. You were tremendous this year. I, I'm sure, just like he's telling his players, though, a couple of sequences in the fourth quarter, and we're, we're, we're discussing them, the use of the two timeouts. Um, I'd like to think when he gets in that situation again next year, Brad, Kevin Stefanski will have a whole different perspective on that. Uh, me too. Me too, uh, Michael. And uh, you know where else I would want him to have a, a, a different perspective and something to learn from it was just that last series leading up to the fourth and nine. I felt like it got away from him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really started bringing heavy blitz on on Baker leading up to that fourth and nine where they punted and that was the drive right that was the one that they had to have uh to go down the field there and and Casey was bringing everybody uh they ran a screen that got sniffed out and then really on the third down they had the dig route coming open he just didn't have enough time to wait for it to get open and he said he kicks it out to Kareem Hunt and he gets tackled I just kind of thought in that scenario, it was pretty obvious what they were doing. Let's let's get a hot, you know, a hot slant, a hot something that Baker can get the ball out of his hands quickly, identify where they're coming from, what they've been so good at all year. And they just kind of, I don't know if it was like, it wasn't, a, I wouldn't want to say anybody choked or anything, but they got caught up in the moment. And, uh, and I, the play call seemed a little scattered there in that in that series that was so critical and certainly something to learn from. We're talking about, you know, certainly I, I can't criticize uh, Mr. Stefanski at all. I mean, coach of the year uh, by the Football Writers Association and uh, the, the sporting news and should be for the NFL uh, if, if it was up to me um, for sure. But that, that last series got a little bit out, out, of, uh, out of whack. What do you think about that? Thoughts no, on that I, final? You just said it very, very well. I, I agree with you, you know, 100%. And again, you know, the more we discuss this, and that's why you've said it now uh, very eloquently, I hope I did. Uh, you know, this is in by no means to take away from the just, I mean, I'm taking my hand and going way, way up the ascent of this Cleveland Browns <laughs> roster, everything, everything. But we know, Brad, this is what sports is, right? I mean, when when, when you have a team that, let, let's be honest, I mean, virtually has done l- zero to little 
of anything that uh, even remotely would make you feel like they were – well, we had the Browns haven't played in these type of games. You know, playoff games, right? Nah, that hasn't been something that you would be synonymous with the Cleveland Browns with. So, you know, it sounds like we're – but, again, this is what's going to happen because when you lose, it's over. It ends so suddenly, as you said, as we started out uh, the show today. And, uh, you know, so – those are the things we're going to remember. And yes, I'll just say this. I was a little bit surprised, given, as you said, um, you know, if I remember correctly, I'm just trying to put this into my mind's eye right now. I know there were six coming after Mayfield in two of the downs. Yep. Six. Yep. Might have been five in the other one. But yeah. heavily, heavily blitzed. Uh, yes, I would have liked to see some uh, some different ways that you wanna you wanna play call there. You said it. I mean, you gotta throw. You, you probably gotta throw that quick slant hot. Um, and uh, again, you're wound up with a third down throw to uh, Kareem Hunt. You're going horizontal or horizontal, not vertical, right? It's a horizontal yep. throw. And yep. uh, so, yeah. I mean, uh, but again, I feel good that uh, I think Kevin Stefanski would be the first one to tell you, maybe with a wry smile. Yeah, I got uh, I got welcomed to the NFL playoffs by the Lord and Master Andy Reid. And he did. He did. And they're, 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 but again, no great disgrace in that. You know, first time you're doing this as the guy, the head coach. Yeah, he'd been an OC in the playoffs of Minnesota. But again, it's different. If he if he set in a play that that Mike Zimmer didn't want, guess who's getting reamed about it by Mike Zimmer? Or and right. Zimmer call it off anyway. So it's a big difference, you know. You can say, oh, OC play caller. Uh, big, 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 big difference when you're the head coach. We know that. Big difference, and uh, you know he handled. He was so good. Uh, all year long, and we'll get into some more of that with the offense side of the ball. But so, so in this game, the, one of the most disappointing parts of it, if you look back at it, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way, is is the fact that Mahomes goes out and Henny comes in, and now it's a real opportunity. Like, how often does this opportunity come about, right? Because Mahomes is just so freaking good, right? So, uh, you know. This leads me to a little bit of, uh, you know, Joe Woods, I wish you would have blitzed Henny a little bit more, but okay, whatever. Let's, let's, this, he didn't really have, as uh, Dustin Fox likes to say on, on, on his show, the Jimmys and the Joes, right? Uh, to, to do the, the, what he wanted to do on defense this year. So it's really hard to, to blame. Joe Woods, uh, a lot, you know, there's a small faction of the Cleveland fan base about, there was a poll out there, Michael, that had 25% uh, of the poll said they wanted to fire Joe Woods after one year. And I, and well, I, I kind of shook that my poll. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. For those 25% of you, uh, you need to stand back and stand down because that's not the answer. But go ahead, Brad. I, I, I didn't see I that poll. I, you know, thank yeah. you for letting me know that. I'm going to look that up because 25% wanted to fire this defensive coordinator after a year. Let me see this defensive coordinator that uh, was playing without the guys who would have been his safeties, starting safeties, right? 
in uh, well, safety in a quarter, Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams, right? So show Kirksey's gone, Schobert's gone, right? You you got holes. There's no doubt about it. You got holes. But man, no. That that that's not the answer. I know that, that that's not the answer. You need the second year with Joe Woods, and hopefully, and I I'm sure we'll talk about this. You know how much uh, I'm a big Andrew Barry admirer. And I feel Barry is going to get Joe Woods the more necessary ingredients he needs to run his defense. We know this, Brett. They got to get faster. Would you agree with that? Yep. Just as an overall defensive unit, they must get faster, linebackers and and secondary specifically. And and, and kind of on both sides of the ball uh, a little bit too. You, you wide receiver, you need a little more speed too. Now I know OBJ wasn't there, but. Um, but more, yeah, you're right. More so on defense, team speed is huge, right? Uh, oh, and you showed up big time, enormous in this league yeah. today. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, if you don't have it, I don't see how you can win. To be honest with you, right? Well, not not win anything significantly. If you if you can't run as a team, both sides of the ball, uh, boy, you know, if you could find a way to be a playoff team with that, that's. Uh, you are certainly beating the odds. No question. So, you know, much of the of last offseason, Michael, was spent, you know, supporting QB1. You mentioned him, uh, the youngest GM in the NFL, Andrew Barry. Did a great job. He went out and he got, you know, he got Hooper and he got Conklin and then drafted. And they, and they really, you know, supplemented that offensive line that ended up being probably the best offensive line in football, uh, both run block and pass block, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so pretty dominant. Um, so you expect a GM Andrew Barry to turn probably, and, and I do, and just see what you think about this. I expect him to basically kind of turn to the defensive side of the ball and say, okay, now it's your turn, right? Now it's Brad, your no turn. Question. Let's supplement this defense. Brad, no question, and I have the utmost and ultimate confidence in Andrew Barry that's going to, he's going to do that. And just so I can remind, in case they've forgotten, because I, I don't do a show uh, you know every day anymore – but, uh, you know, I want to remind everybody, I'm a big, big believer. You have to let every man or woman, you know, regardless of whom they've worked for before, you got to have, when they get that opportunity in that position, you know, you need to let them have their go. You need to really – what I'm trying to say here is you – I was not uh, a Sashi Brown devotee by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Andrew Barry, right, worked for Sashi Brown that first year here when he egregiously let Mitchell Schwartz walk away. He egregiously drafted Corey Coleman with the 15th overall pick. <laughs> but, see, I'm not going to hold that again. You're laughing. <laughs> uh, wish you could have that one back, huh? Yeah, uh, really. I'm not going to listen. Andrew Barry, I don't know what Andrew Barry's role is with any of that, but he was not the general manager. So to me, as regard, I don't care that Andrew Barry, at first I went, all I said is, you know, with the pre- Andrew, please, please, I just, you're, you are an outstanding, ultra intelligent football man. Do you, don't take anything. Flush all that, and I'm glad he, and he went to Philadelphia for the next couple of years, right? Yep. So that was a good thing. But for me, I think the world of Andrew Barry, and I think he's going to do the same thing 
that he did. You just mentioned with part of it with uh, with getting uh, Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper, uh, tremendous additions to that uh, offensive line, knowing enough that, uh, hey, you got a real mammoth mauler in uh, young Mr. Wide Teller, right? Oh, wait a minute. Dorsey brought him in. How many GMs would say, gone, we're going to get, right? I mean, we know that. People laughing. No, GMs do that. He's not my guy. He's not my yep. guy. I'll go yep. get my guy. Well, there's another big, uh, you know, a fist strong I gave to Andrew Barry. No, you don't mess with that, man. It's obvious the guy guy can play and be a big asset to your offensive line. What the hell's the difference who brought him in if it wasn't you? Uh, so I believe Andrew Barry is going to do the same thing this offseason, Brad, with the Browns' defensive side of the football. There are a few names we can throw out that uh, I think would be outstanding free agent gets for Mr. Barry on that side. I'm sure you do, too. And mm-hmm. uh I, again, I have every faith that he's going to do just that, Brad. Yeah, uh, and you said it too, and a lot of people don't, uh, they miss that with Barry, is that uh, the guy, GMs do that all the time. I want my own guys. You yeah. know, let's total roster rehaul. But what he Dorsey was able did. to do. John yeah. did, and I like John. I mean, yeah. John's, we know what, we don't need to. John made one fatal mistake when, for whatever reason, he empowered Freddie Kitchens. But John Dorsey's roster building? I would see how many Browns fans want to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I have a problem with that. What? He, uh, John Dorsey did a hell of a job roster building. He just no went question. the wrong direction with his head coach and ultimately got him fired. Yeah, and, and like you said, good on Barry for you know recognizing the talent that's there and building upon it. Yep. Uh, absolutely difficult thing to do at times again brad i can't i can't he is a hell of a football man i mean young and vibrant and knows what it takes to build a winner and that's why i think that man's going to roll his sleeves up on this defense he might have started right now with his defensive coaches and and they're going to get this improved uh you know they've got we know they've got the money and free agency if they want Got to be the right choices, but he made the right choices on the offensive side. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys out there that I think would look real good in the orange and brown. And I bet you Andrew Berry does, too. Yeah, no question. Um, All right. So you're listening to and watching All Eyes on Lind on the simulcast at YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live. You can catch the uh, the, uh, um, podcast where all popular podcasts are found uh, first thing tomorrow morning. Special guest Michael Ragai on our Cleveland Browns exit interview edition of the show. First time uh, since the uh, fatal Sunday afternoon. Uh, a tremendous Brown season. Uh, we're, we're just kind of going through the, the, uh, the must answers, right? The pressing issues of what will face this team in the offseason is there's a lot of them. So a lot of what uh, Barry did on the defensive side of the ball to supplement some talent was a bunch of one-year contracts, right, last yep. year. And yep. uh, so he's got a lot of free agents right now. So let's kind of go through some of these names. And it's, let's see if you see any of these guys that uh, you see returning or is it going to be uh, kind of 
big turnover. Let's start with the main one here, uh, and one that I may have asked you about before, and that's Larry Ogan Joby, uh, who is going to see the open market. They have not come to de- a te- a terms with him, so he's going to go test the market. Yeah. I think he's going to get a sizable offer somewhere, and uh, the way that, uh, you know, Cleveland runs things. Uh, I don't know if that offer will be coming from them. I agree with you. Yeah. In fact, I would lean toward that again. Now, if uh, he he's going to get other offers, and I would imagine that, hey, Brett, we know every year whether and you can't knock a player whether he's deserving or not. There'll be one to that'll over that'll their offer will be to overpay him, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, and then that man's got to decide uh, what's best for him, his family. You know, if you know, let's say the offer, uh, what, what did Joby make this last year? Is he, he, is he right at the, was he at the four or five million area? Am I right about that? Or do I have that one way wrong? Uh, I'll bring it up here. Yeah, well, I, I think that's where he is, but. I mean, Brad, again, let's say if somebody knocks this man's socks off, he's probably going to go. And I just don't believe that Andrew Barry, uh, I don't think he'll get into a large bidding war for for uh, Larry Ogunjobi. I, I feel that they believe that that's a position that they can maintain the production in if they don't have Ogunjobi. Yeah, so he was still on his rookie deal uh, so last year of his rookie deal, so it breaks down to he's he's making you know just under a million dollars a oh, year. Oh, that's right. So. I, I meant total. I'm sorry. I you know, yeah, but, yeah yeah. But uh, so yeah, he's still probably at nine hundred and ten grand, right? Somewhere in there. Yeah, right. You're you're deal? absolutely. I mean, you're I like him. Right. I, again, I think he's a you know I think he's a solid player. But again, I'm trying to put on my Andrew Barry hat, and I think that's one area of the defense. You know, if we're talking again, what's Ogan Joby going to go to? Is somebody going to offer him, a, you know, a, a four-year, thirty-two million-dollar deal? You you just don't know, Brad. I mean, you could say, "Regga, that sounds absurd." Uh, I don't think yeah. so. I don't well, think so. I I, I think somebody I, overpays for him for sure. That's I I agree with that, and that's why I brought it up that way. So. I don't think that's the area defensive tackle that uh, Andrew Barry will uh, he probably smile at Larry Ogunjobi and shake his hand and say, you know, thank you for all you've done, but they're not going to match that. I, I agree. Uh, to, he total glue guy, and it's a shame. You'd like yeah. to keep him around. I but know. Uh, he hasn't performed as well as you as his his trajectory was looking like he was going to be a real real stud michael and mm-hmm. he just really kind of has flattened out he's been productive but not what uh the money is going to command on the open market so yeah. that's a tough situation and kind of one like you said where you should got to shake his hand the other thing that you got to look at is okay uh you've got uh billings Coming in off uh, who opted out this year on a cheap deal, who is going to be very good up the middle. And you've got Elliott, who you just drafted in that very same position and and got a a number of snaps this year and was pretty impressive at times. So it certainly uh, financially makes a lot of sense to say, okay, and let Elliott kind of fill in that role uh, or Billings fill in that role there. 
Yep, uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, both of those guys, especially Elliot. Um, yes. Yeah, I yeah. could see, and you know, I, his best guess to me would be before Andrew Barry would uh, write that kind of paycheck for Larry Ogunjobi, he would uh, take a look, see at uh, certainly what Elliot has and the capability to play that position successfully and replace him. Yeah. No question. Uh, the other big name that's probably on his way out uh, here, uh, Olivier Vernon, contracts up, um, played some great football, probably his best football of his career in the last, you know, what, eight, nine games that he yeah. was uh, he certainly with the did. Browns. You were um, right about that. He certainly did. Uh, that This is the toughest one for me, Brad. It is. It is very tough. Because, and I didn't mean to cut you off, I apologize. Um, I think we're aware, though, of what type of uh, Olivier Vernon, after 19, his first year, when we were all coming, come on, Olivier, come on, we know you got more than that, man. Come on, baby, let's pick this up. Show us what you're all about. And legitimize that trade that was made with the with the New York Giants, right? But... Uh, he didn't do that in 19, but Brad, I tell you what, this guy's a quality, quality edge player in the NFL. I felt terrible for him and the football team when he went down in the latter stages uh, of the season because he was having a quality year defensively. Um, I don't know. I'll make a case that uh, because, you know, in lost Miles Garrett for, what, three games with, with, with COVID-19 and – um, I don't know if you ask me who was the best, the best defensive football player on the Cleveland Browns this year. Before I answered, I would have Olivier Vernon in that mix. He was good. He was real good. So again, long answer for God, I hate to see him go because, because I, I think on the opposite side of Garrett and, um, you know, got to the quarterback this year. Uh, Brad, I thought he's was much better against the run. Like, you know, he's always been. He was, yeah. Yeah. And so, man, I'd hate to see him go. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I certainly am not going to say that uh, he'll definitely be back. I mean, that that's going to come into a, a money thing, right? A numbers thing. I mean, no question. How long's, what's, what kind of deal is he looking for? Is he looking at uh, another three, four-year deal? Um, you know, it, it's that's gonna be a tough. If I'm Andrew Barry, maybe it's not for Mr. Barry, but if I'm him, I'm I'm sitting in the dark in my home at night thinking long and hard about that one. Because uh, again, you could say, well, the money, this and that, but you also, if you're being honest about it, as we started, you got to look back and say this man was playing uh, absolutely premier football until he got hurt. Excellent year. Yeah, making up for, he actually made up for a lot of the missing in action from not not to his fault at all, but you know Garrett had the the, the COVID nineteen and never and wasn't the same afterwards. I mean, right. he just and and not many are. You know, Michael, it's tough to recover from that. You know, he wasn't the same after that. And Vernon, you know. Huge plays in that in that uh, Pittsburgh game, the final one of the regular season. Huge sack and 
you know, he just he just was uh, tremendous all around. I don't know what his contract situation will be. That one's a little bit because he's a little bit older, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. that one gets tricky there. Um, let's go down a couple other names here and shout if I'm going to give you like uh, the uh, the other six guys, and you tell me if any of these guys you really think you want to make sure come back, okay? Yep. Uh, so we got Kevin Johnson, who was here on a one-year deal, played a lot yep. of the nickel corner. Yep. Uh, Terrence Money Mitchell, who uh, absolutely, you know, has been huge for the Browns because he's just his availability right. has been tremendous. Uh, you know, and filled in as a ba- as a backup, pretty much played starter role for the past two years with the way that the other corners have been dinged up. Carl Joseph, uh, B.J. Goodson uh, played a nice leadership role. You know, ca- called uh, plays a lot of the, most of the season uh, when he was healthy. Uh, Andrew Sandejo and Malcolm Smith, ex uh, uh, Super Bowl MVP. So those are the other guys that are are potentially off the roster. Anybody that you're really pounding the table for for Barry to bring back here? I'd like him to bring uh, Money Mitchell back. Me too. Um, you, know, you said it. Whether you're going to uh, view him as a starter, but as we know, man, I'm, you need six solid DBs, combination of corners and safety. Well, five. No, I I want six. Hell, seven if I'm getting, uh, you know, real extravagant about it. But uh, I don't have a problem with Terrence Mitchell being a, a part of that. I think he's a uh, – He's a solid football player. He's tough, and I, you know, I'm a toughness. I like toughness. And if you, if you show that uh, that kind of that on every snap, you know, you're willing to uh, be a, a dog and a good dog and be tough. Uh, you got me. I'm with you. I'll uh, I'll give you that maybe at times in terms of uh, you know your fundamentals. But hey, listen, man, everybody's going to have have games where that, uh, you know, not the best of what they could show. But I like Money Mitchell. I'd like to see him be a part of the squad. I, um, you know, I, I my general thing is, uh, as far as a linebacking core, I'd, I'd like to think that, again, our man Andrew Barry can find a way to upgrade there. Um, I think so, Go- for sure. Yeah, B.J. Goodson did a you know a decent job, a decent job. Again, I'd prefer that I'd bring him in in sub packages. You know, Brad, as opposed to saying he's got to be out there for sixty snaps by the opposition every game. I'd rather he be a sub package guy where you could use what he does best. You know, with your linebacking core. Um, you know, Malcolm Smith, I, I, I guess the same way. I mean, I, I want Andrew Barry to go get a real thumper this year. Yep. Just, and, and that having been said, I say that's the one thing just roster scheme wise that I disagree with. Andrew. they don't, I mean, maybe it's more, we just don't pay them. But the reason you don't pay them is I think they don't believe that, um, the linebacking position there's no other way to say it, Brad. If, if I'm wrong, you correct me. I, it doesn't seem like they think that. I would say that is the unit to them, to the of least importance on a football team. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. It's gone the way of the running back on the offensive side of the ball, right? So a lot of yeah. a lot of guys are just like, hey, if we you know take care of our back end, and it's around the NFL. It's not just here, but uh, the philosophy around the uh, the NFL for a lot of, and it seems to be more analytical thinking people that but the the thought process is we take care of our back end we take care of our front if we get some guys that are young and run uh, and, and can run on some rookie deals in the linebacking yeah. core we'll be all right and i don't necessarily agree with that michael i think that you got to have at least yeah. one stud in there i gotta have one guy that's one of the unit whether it's a four three or a th- i gotta have three four I got to have one guy that is kind of everybody on that opposition. When they got the football, they want to know where he is. Um, as no I question. said, but now I don't know, maybe I'm showing my, uh, old curmudgeon age and how I came up in football. And <laughs> I, but, I totally but, agree with you. Totally yeah, agree with you. I get it. And I'm not ripping it, but there's no question. It is, the positional unit of least importance to the Cleveland Browns. I think we're going to find out, you know, how they feel. You brought it up, buddy, and you're so right. I think we're going to find out how Andrew Barry feels about the running back position, too, uh, in about a year with Nick Chubb, right? So, and that that's just a little bit down the road. But those two positions feel like most in the NFL, to me today, is there – we don't have to spend a whole lot of money and go overpay there because I hate to use this term, but it seems like some GM, that, that's a dime a dozen. We can get by, by, yeah, you said as well, getting a younger player that we think has promise and can fit into what we want to do team-wise to continue to accelerate as a whole. So, I mean, hey, listen, I'll be the first one. If this works for the Browns, I'll be the first one to say – Okay, then I got it. I got to be the one to make the changes that the linebacking position is becoming a uh, an extinct breed in the NFL. But I'm not there yet, Mr. Ward. I'm not there yet. I know. So here's what you got. Here's what you got left as far as your young guys there, right? Um, tell what do you think of these guys? And uh, there's one that I think has a lot of promise, and we'll kind of go through here. So you've got Mac Wilson, who has flashed at times, but, you know, yeah, he, he, he was a little up and down this year. Taki Taki has come along nicely, but he, he kind of does struggles in, in uh, pass coverage. He's more of a, a run-down specialist, right? Um, and then you've got Jacob Phillips, who was dinged up a lot, some of the year and, and struggled with injuries. Of any of those guys, you, you want to be a staple in that linebacking core, or are you open to, to just uh, fresh meat, uh, whatever we can bring in there? Well, you just kind of, because I know, I know what Andrew Berry's answer is going to be to that. He's going <laughs> to say, I would say at least two of them will be guys that they're hoping that is can step into a more prominent role, Brad, going forward. And you know what, again, if that's the case and they can develop Wilson and they can develop Taki Taki and Phillips continue, you know, fine. Right now, mm, you know, they're okay. I'm not saying these guys can't play, but I think they're kind of almost like, None of them to me do. Uh, to me as a linebacker, you've got to show that I know at times there are some tough matchups, but if you're going to be put in coverage situations, 
And I know this isn't three down stuff we're talking about, but it, come on, man. You know, you gotta you gotta make a play here and there against no a question. running back. Sometimes you might be, you know, lined up or you gotta ask to cover Travis Kelsey. Right? So I mean, again, nobody's asking it to, to completely, but I just think none of those three, none of those three right now are are real strong in coverage and uh, you know, a strong against the run where they can you know, set an edge if they have to and come up and hit and make tackles that get running backs or tight ends on the ground. Um, do they have promise? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess to me this is going to be a big part of being coached up, man. This is going to be a big part. How how proficient these three young men get, I think, is going to go a long way in what the that Brown defensive coaching staff does with – seeing if they can become better football players in terms of being able to play the position where they don't have to be sub-package guys. I mean, you know, you you need at least two yes. of them to say, right, we're on, we're on the damn field every snap the opposition takes. Yes. I got to have two of them, Brett. I don't see that right now, but I'm also not trying to – if they're younger, you're not going to flush young guys. It's just going to be interesting, though. Um, you know, how the combination of Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods and uh, sees this with those three that you mentioned going forward. Yeah, you, you make a great point is you don't they're all like, you know, OK, they can do this well, but they can't do that well. So it's always right. sub package. Right. You want guys that you can just put out on the field and play at least two of them, like you said. Now, I think I think more of Jacob Phillips than I think of the other two, to be honest with you, because of his speed element. And yeah. I think he tackles better than the other two do. Fundamentally, I think he's a better tackler. Now, he was dinged up during the year, but I think he... I think a guy like him and he maybe even Taki Taki or Mac Wilson look a lot better if you put a, a just an absolute stud right in the middle. The other guys look a lot better. So, you know, maybe one guy can sure up that room, but certainly that it's going to be more than that coming in and out with the amount of free agents. So he'll have the opportunity to add some talent, certainly through free agency and in the draft. Um, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, Michael. We've kind of identified now as we've been breaking down this defensive roster that that wasn't great for the Browns, right? Uh, that certainly needs to improve. Touche. Touche, buddy. Yeah. Too many, you know, Andrew Sandejos and, and those guys uh, playing a lot of snaps. Uh, so from the front to the back, there is, uh, they can get better, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or yeah. or oh, yeah. they can address it early in the draft. So let's just say first round draft, second round draft pick. Where do you want, you know, obviously everybody's best player available, right? But yeah, yeah. Where would your top need or top priority yeah. be, Michael? Well, I'm starting to think about this a lot, and um, yeah, me too. You know, trying to go through some uh, some thoughts. And the good thing about for, well, what I do is calling college football for ESPN. I can say, "Give me some tape on you know this guy." Yeah, and that's a lot what I do, and I'll really start to do that, Brad. And you know, usually first of end of February, first of March, you know, leading up to the draft. Um. 
Yeah, I, I guess for me, what what are the Browns going to – where are they picking? Are they picking 26th? 26th. 26th. I'm going to give you a name, okay? I'm going to give you a name. And I, I got just – I just trust oh. me on this. I got a reason to believe that – Boy. The Browns are very high on this young man, and I think he will go from 20 – you know, I don't know if it'd be high. I'm going to say in the, in the, in the mid twenties to the end of the round. Okay. Have you seen any Tulsa Golden Hurricane games? Young linebacker by the name of Zavon Collins. I he's know about, the name. I haven't watched him. He's about 245 pounds, and he's a thumper, man. I keep going back because I, I like that. So, to me. He would be a guy, and I do believe, again, I have reason to believe the Browns are high on him, too, as are, as are many teams in the NFL. Um, you know, this guy is uh, maybe you could say he's more of the, uh, you know, the and, and again, but he runs well. Um, he's probably more better suited, you know, as an inside guy, linebacker-wise, a Mike, but just a name for you to keep in mind. I, I I really really like him. I know he's going to be a first rounder. He, I, I suppose he could fall into the early stages of the second, like uh, like our man Nick Chubb did, right, a couple years ago. But uh, yep, yeah, this guy is. Uh, so check him out. Just go go look up Tulsa and go look at some of their. Um, you know, I'm sure he could pull them up on YouTube and what have you. And uh, but that's yep. a guy I think the Browns are high on now. Again, though, but what about if Andrew Barry decides that uh, you know in free agency, Brad, before the draft? What if he decides that uh, Ryan Kerrigan from the Washington Football Team? Right? What about KJ Wright from Seattle? Ugh. What about so, guys? Well, they're free agents. Ski, uh, scheme fit and everything exactly. too with well, uh, Joe I mean. Woods. Uh, so that's why I said I throw out Zavon Collins, but that could, you know, again, now if Andrew Barry goes out and makes a big hit at the linebacking position, well, that could change all of that for sure. Again, given that, you know, it is, it is the position I can never see him or the Browns brain trust like just going crazy on that position. So yeah. if, if they got a Ryan Kerrigan or they got a um, a K.J. Wright, right, I, well, you know, that'd be it. And then that I think it'd be telling you that, uh, as we talked about, Wilson, Taki Taki, Phillips, they want to see those guys, what they have in their development, and how much they can be a positive factor in this defensive scheme as it currently stands. Yeah, absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, certainly, KJ Wright, uh, yeah, and Kerrigan, all those guys make a lot of sense. I uh, anybody kind of, else I missed? Uh, to me, those are the most two prominent at the linebacking position. Yeah, no, that those are the top. Uh, you're absolutely right. Those are the top names on the list there. He's going to go uh, big game hunting, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. What's well, going uh, Both of those guys so, are going to cost you some, some dollars now. <laughs> Right? They're right. not Absolutely. coming here for, you know, a couple million no, no, a year. No. They're going to cost you some dollars. Ryan Kerrigan is 32 years old. Right. Uh, but but I think he's got a lot of football left in him. And if, if Andrew Berry went out and signed him to a two-year deal with an option for a third, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. I yeah. mean, you know, so 
Um, yeah, but I, I think free agency in that position is going to tell us a lot, Brad, about the three, the young ones that we spoke of and that you brought up. And it's going to tell us a lot how he feels about uh, Wilson and Taki Taki and Phillips. And, yeah. and, of course, not to mention, I mean, as we said, we brought the – well, what's he going to do with B.J. Goodson and Malcolm Smith? What are they going to do with them? You going to resign yeah. them? You going to try to resign them for, you know, a uh, a nice uh, cost-effective uh, contract that would favor the team? So we're talking now, when we throw those two into it, Brad, with the three young guys, there's five linebackers, man, that, yeah. you know, as you, you know the three young guys are going to be on the team. They're going to be here. Yes, but absolutely. Are you gonna you gonna go get some more time with Goodson, Goodson and Malcolm Smith? I don't. I don't know. That that'll be interesting. I Malcolm Smith was kind of a last second addition. Yeah. He impressed me in coverage. I thought he. I thought you know he was very valuable though. Um, and Goodson certainly was your you know your tackle leader and everything. So. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, if you bring back those guys at a cost-effective rate, that's fine. That, that's perfectly fine. But I still think you've got, like you said, you've got to go out and either spend on at least one guy to really upgrade that room and then or, or draft somebody high. Here's where my mind goes in the draft, right? And mm-hmm. it's certainly linebacker. I, I think you have to address linebacker in the top top three rounds. Um, of the draft for sure and I, I think they have a lot of picks this year actually I think they double up in maybe the third and the fifth or something like that that uh, sounds right so, yeah that yeah. sounds correct yep so they have they have a good a good number of picks now I, I think though so you've you, you've paid Miles Garrett I'm just trying to think like you know money allocation which is I know how the a lot of these guys think the the analytical approach so you've paid miles garrett you know huge dollars right yep it makes a lot of sense i think for a football team to find the long-term solution to his you know the opposite defensive end on a rookie contract uh and a guy with a lot of talent same thing if you're going to pay denzel ward it makes a lot of sense to find the corner opposite him on a rookie deal if you're going to pay him a lot of money. So I think that um, I don't know if safety is the top priority because I think right now that's one position that you could say, hey, you know, if you had told me we are going to run out Ronnie Harrison and and Grant Delpit next year, I'm I would feel with you, that. Man. Can we sign that up and just go for that, Brad, and make it, uh, make yeah. it so? I'm fine. Right. I wish that's all good. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah. That's... And they're both they're both going to be here. So well, they are. Um, they are. Yeah. yeah. So that that's good news. And I so I, I think you got to add some depth to that room, certainly. Uh, but but my main priorities would be defensive end opposite Miles, cornerback. I, you got to get more corners and and, and you know guys that because you you can't. As good as you think Greedy's going to be, you can't depend on him at all. And um, one million percent, I'm sorry. You know, just, uh, man, you got to be on the football field at some point. And and that's why, you know, and there's no question. Look, I mean, there's no question that – you know, we all know, and I'm going to say it, I know this is unpopular amongst Browns fans, but, you know, 
Denzel Ward can be one of the very finest talent-wise cornerbacks in the NFL. We know that. But, Brad, he's got to start playing more than 11 games a year, though. I agree. 11 or 12 games a year. And I know, you know, a young man, just ultra-talented, you know, just as a coverage guy, you love him. Um, And then, hey, we know how – added caveat, young man from Cleveland, played for Ohio State. I get all that. I'm not – this is not about – but these was what I mean about the damn tough decisions you have if you're an Andrew Barry. I'm not saying on on Denzel Ward, but I will say you got – you know, if Denzel comes to me in a year and says, uh, you know, I want a four-year deal between 80 and 100 million. Well, Denzel, how many games a year are you playing, son? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I'm certainly. not trying to pick on him. I, you know, I say no. You're way, right. You know, you're right, though. You're right. You know this. I was born and raised. You know, uh, in the city of Detroit. Born and raised. Went to every Lions game. My dad and uncles would take me when I was a kid. Because you, you know the NFL. I'm just bringing this out. The Lions are going through the same thing right now with yep. Kenny Galladay. Yep. No is he question. one of the top? Two? Yes, he is. But man, you played four games this year, <laughs> and 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 you want that? Can I? How do I trust and believe and have great deal of confidence that after I get you that good pay, you're going to be on the football field for us? So yeah, yeah. I'm getting carried away, and I didn't mean to, but I love Denzel Ward. I just want to see though the young man be able to. Um, you know, you know, to me, those kind of guys, your best players, would you say 14 minimum is too much to ask? I, I need you to be available for me playing that great football you play. If I'm going to give you this big, big money, I need you out there leading our football team 14 of the 16. And, you know, more years than not, okay, if you get a debilitating injury one year and Fine, but man, if it's too many years of nine, ten, eleven, well, now, I mean, I yep. probably can do better than that, even yep. with someone not as talented as you. And I go no for question. this with every team in the NFL. This would be the biggest thing for me if I'm a GM. So I know I got off track a little bit on you there a little no, bit, but you're right on track. That's that's right where we need to be. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, and I don't blame Greedy, uh, and it's it's hard to blame Denzel, but you're absolutely right. You know, he's going to want that big contract. You know, he does get that fifth-year extension because he was a first-round option because he's a first-round pick, which is nice, and he gives you a little bit of time um, to, to see another season with him, which I think is important because you want him to put up four. You, know, you want him to start in 14 games this year. If he goes out and starts, like you said, starts 14 games this year, I yeah. feel a lot better giving him that extension Absolutely. Uh, next, next offseason. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, but that's, you know, and again, then you got to look at, listen, I understand, and please, again, Browns fans, I love Denzel Ward, okay? I love him. He is a quality premier player i just need to have him on the football field more often for this team that's no all question. and again now hey and we can maybe help with it 
are these injuries, as we said, you know, the kids, they're only about 180 pounds now. So we yeah. know there's going to be some things there. But I think we've got to take a look at, are these injuries that we, as a training staff, our medical staff, can we do everything possible to help you with? Or are these just symptomatic of the game being a tough, violent game, and this young man is just not the biggest guy in the world, and all the bumps and bruises that add up, finally they get to the point where, boom, he's got to miss football game. So maybe that's another, you know, another thing the Browns organization's got to look at with Denzel. But please, Browns fans, don't. I don't want to see. Rug, I just said he'd get rid of Denzel Ward. No, I didn't know. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> want him to play more. Would go to the ends of the earth to see him play 14 games every year. Minute, 14 games. That's my number. I don't know who you guys are. My starters, my premier players, man, if, if it's anything, number one, if it's anything under 14, I'm telling you, you get that happening with three, four of your premier players, it's probably lessening your chance to win each year pretty severely. Uh, I, I would 100% agree with that. I, I think you're dead on uh, on that. Uh, you're listening to uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Michael Ragai on our uh, Cleveland Browns 2020-21 exit interview edition of the show. Uh, Michael Ragai, uh, Cleveland sports talk legend, play-by-play legend, and uh, calling games for ESPN College Basketball and College Football. Um we're making our way through the Browns' uh, uh, pressing issues here uh, tonight. Uh, offensively, Michael, there's a, there's two big ones, really, uh, the way that I look at it. Because you got your whole offensive line back. You, you know, you've got uh, Jarvis back. You've got uh, – oh, there's, there's a couple other little ones. But you've got your told tight end room back. You've got your running backs back. But – uh, has Baker shown you enough, Michael? Um, first of all, there's a fifth-year option involved. And then option two is, would you uh, feel okay extending him now? Yes. Uh, I, yeah. I would, too. Yeah, I would, yeah. Um, I thought he made tremendous strides this year, Brad. Tremendous strides. And you know what? Uh, credit to Baker, too, because I'll tell you the truth. Last year, and, uh, you know, some people I talked to within the Minnesota Vikings organization, and they told me, and let me know, listen, Stefanski's not, Stefanski's not going to want, hey, Becker, what kind of offense do you want to run, my man? Not whatever you want, but we'll do that. No, no. What you see in the, the heavy, uh, I call them waggles or off bootlegs, to get into uh, to get out of the pocket and make throws from you know out of the pocket play action your bootleg your waggle whatever you want to call it that's that's predominantly Kevin Stefanski's pass game as we found out so I'll be honest with you there people asked me last year at this time you know do you think Mayfield's going to go along with this you know sure looks to me like he you know not that he's He'll he'll pull it down when he has to, but wouldn't his preference? He wants to be that five seven step drop drop guy and prove to everybody I got the arm talent that I can throw the football from the pocket. I I I, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. You know, 
you might be right, but there were a lot of people, what I'm trying to say around the NFL, that thought Baker might not real willingly take this offensive scheme and style to heart. Well, I thought he did a damn tremendous job with it. And I, I also think, Brad, that he realized this is going to do nothing. This, this might turn out to be perfect for me in the long run, the longer I work with Kevin Stefanski, whereas every throw, every throwing the football 35 times a game, well, every one of them, why does every one of them have to be off that five, seven-step drop from that classic in-the-pocket look? And Stefanski's offense, as we know, certainly is not that. Stefanski, I think in a perfect world, he'd like to do at least a 55-45% run game over pass. Don't you, Brad? I mean, yeah. you know, in, yeah. in his mind's eye, if we yeah. can run our power counters and, you know, and, and be dominant and be able to run between the tackles, there's no doubt in my mind he'd rather the percent percentage skew higher run than pass. And you can win that. We saw Minnesota. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been successful. And they had a t- this year, I, I, I give you that, a little bit of a downstroke. But maybe some of that's because Stefanski wasn't there. How do we yeah, know? No, no I, question. You know, maybe we're not, though, so we don't know. Uh, some people in Minneapolis feel that way, that without Kevin Stefanski there this year, it hurt Kirk Cousins a little bit. No so, question. Um, I think Baker did a terrific job with it. I, the um, To me, I'm a big guy, uh, big on, um, you know, how do you see the field, quarterback? Yeah. Do 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 you see the field, and and that comes into flow with, are you understanding now as each and every game goes by, are you getting a better understanding at uh, what the various defenses are trying to do to you to prevent yes. your offense from being successful? And Brad, I, I tell you, buddy, I I thought that Baker made a quantum leap in that this year under Stefanski, and maybe we'll give Alex Van Pelt some credit for it as well. But, Absolutely. I mean, how could, even if you're a casual Browns uh, viewer, observer, so much more defined and better than in 2019. I mean, yeah. night and day. Some of the throws Baker was making in 19, it's like, oh, Baker, no. come on, man. Decision-making, man. Decision-making for a quarterback. To me, maybe other than, you know, maybe the very most important thing that you need in your you know in your good bag you got to have it if you're not making proper decisions and have no concept of what a defense is trying to do to you and are constantly throwing the football into danger which baker did a lot brad in 2019 yes he did i thought yes, he, he made a tremendous jump forward this year and of course again we know with Stefanski and Andrew Berry saying, let's get our let, let us have one of the premium O lines in the NFL. Let's get to where we're one of the five best O lines in the NFL that we know on third and two and third and three, we don't always have to throw the football. And and they didn't. And they picked up first downs on third and twos and third and threes when most of teams in the NFL, third and three anymore, Brad. Is there any question what most off most offenses are throwing the ball? On it's a passing days. down. Yep, it's a passing yep. down. Yep. Well, I Absolutely. thought they brought that back in a nice direction this year. I I do too, and and you know the, the thing for me, Michael, was he had to answer a couple questions for me, and it was okay. First of all, you know, 
can can they win with him? Is he going to bounce back from what was a you know a very uneven season last year? He did that, um, and then he started to really get rolling, where he, he really got comfortable. And it it just so happened it was right around you know the the bad weather game, so the numbers didn't bear it out. But those of us that were watching saw it kind of start to materialize and then he got the titans game and the giants game where he's throwing seeds down the field and they're uh taking you know teams that are loading up in the box to stop the run and they're throwing on them early and they're jumping on them and 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 the offense is just grooving right uh and uh then, you know, the at the end of the season, he pr- proved to me kind of in that Ravens game, the Steelers game, and in the Kansas City game, my question was, to what level can he take you? Do you feel like he can win you the grand prize? Is he that guy? Because that's a question you've got to ask yourself at some point, right? And to me, he answered that. I feel like they can do it with him. And so, for me, I'm ready to sign him up for an extension today. He answered all the major questions for me. Completely understood. Completely understood. And that, there is the question that I think, um, you know, every organization asks itself, right? How far can this quarterback take us? And I mean... I know he's 37 years old, but you can't tell me that last year at this time, going into the 2020 draft, evidently even the team that's playing this weekend, the Green Bay Packers, asked themselves that question. And they got Aaron Rodgers, for God's sakes, taking the football from under center and went out and drafted a quarterback in the first round. Which, you know, maybe there was some real good uh, psychology there that thought, we know this is going to uh, <laughs> yeah, raise seriously. the ire of Rodgers. Well, I don't know. If they did it for psychological purposes, I guess they're all uh, smiling and slapping each other's back because he's tremendous. Yeah. But, you know, you get my point there. I mean, teams that you I think not even, not even considering what they have. In, I believe right now that we know – I'm going to say that right now, I know I, I feel strongly that Baker Mayfield can consistently be the quarterbacking leader that is going to get to the Browns into the playoffs for the next six to eight years and win, can win playoff games. Now, you notice I didn't say, oh, I don't want to – well – you know, Brad, we, we've been all been around long enough watching the NFL. Man, once you get in the playoffs, look, one one play can beat you, you know, one one situation that you didn't see. So I feel very, very good, and that's what I want to see. And I say this to any Browns fans that ask me the question. First of all, okay, this it started this year. I want to see this football team again. Now, if there's some catastrophic injuries, okay, maybe that would change it. But, Brad, you know what I mean. When things yeah. are, are just in a normal year, Mayfield's got to get to the Browns of the playoffs now for the next six or eight years. I don't yep. see why there's any reason why there should be some step back from that. Unless, nope. again, there's only – catastrophic injuries took down, I don't know, five or six of your top players where it was just obvious. Okay. But uh, other than that, and then you get into January, 
in hopefully February at some point. And uh, Brad, I, I feel good. And I feel good that that's going to happen. But again, as far as anything beyond, I, to me, I told my son, Cal, that, you know what? When that, that last week or two of the season, however it turns out, win a playoff game. If you if the Browns were win a playoff game this year, now we didn't find out until the last week that was going to be against you know another back to back meeting with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? <laughs> we didn't. But again, I, that doesn't matter. I don't care if it would have been Kansas City win a playoff game, and I don't know how anybody could say that this season that overall finished at twelve and six with the playoff win and then uh, uh, the finish to Kansas, again, the Kansas City game, certainly the top seed, maybe the number one team in the NFL, that's that's arguable, certainly up there. I don't know anybody could say that this, this season was not a just a, a quantified success. Absolutely. 12-6 with a playoff win. So – I'm saying I the Browns to me, you know, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, Kevin Stefanski, this system. I want to see the next six to eight years our playoff team. Brad, do you want and in other words, you almost don't even have to worry about oh the Cleveland Browns gonna yeah. be a playoff team. Now, as we know, once you get into January, yeah. now now, you know, it's it's hard to then say, well, they'll go win a Super Bowl. So I'm not going to do that. But to me, I believe they started to become a consistent, sustained AFC playoff team. And and I'll take that and ride and roll with it, my man, and see where it takes them. Absolutely. Sustainable success. I feel like they they have that uh, within their grasp. And then, what, like you said, what you do in January every year, that's an opportunity to try to go after it. Uh, every offseason, you get another opportunity to get better and go after it. And I feel like they've got the guys in place, coach, GM, quarterback. Uh, those are the big three, right? Um, yeah. Last question for you, Michael, today. And it's a tricky one. There's some stark numbers that, that you can lay out uh, in Baker's game. With OBJ and without OBJ, pretty stark numbers. Uh, <laughs> I was with, waiting with, for this one to come from. Yeah, him, <laughs> without him. Now, he gets injured, which, you know, uh, kicks in next year as a guaranteed year now because of the injury clause. So it's not like uh, you can just say, all right, OBJ, you know, it's been good, but see ya. Not that you would want to do that. But and it would be hard to trade him right now because you don't want to trade him, trade low on his value because his value is not great right now. And I still believe he's a really special player. But the question is, some people will say, <clears throat> here, here's, uh, here's, uh, um, Michael, here's Andrew Barry's answer to that question. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, he said that it was just Baker's time and understanding of the new offense that created that change, not the difference of OBJ being on or off the field. 
Now, I would say it's a lot more complicated than that, and there's a lot more layers to this situation than just that. I I think that he is very aware, or was very aware, uh, going back to 2019 with Freddie Kitchens, very aware of where uh, OBJ was and when he got the ball and when he didn't have the ball and even when he wasn't complaining about not getting the ball. Uh, I mean, heck, I, I'm, I myself at home am kind of get a little uncomfortable when he doesn't get a touch after a couple of uh, series, right? You're kind of well, like, a, yeah. So how, how, do, how the heck do you think the quarterback feels? Uh, so, you know, I guess my question would be, do you think that he's matured and improved to a point where you can now re-enter OBJ into the equation and it's all good? Uh, in this offense and even better with him? Or is it just kind of thing like, hey, it was really good without him. Baker was really good without him. Maybe we go in a different direction here. I want Odell Beckham Jr. on this football team. Yeah. Brad, I want him on this football team. I have confidence in both Baker Mayfield and using this year as the jumping off point, as we just talked about, I think Baker realized a lot of things and realized a lot of things as he looks back at 2019 and probably said, yeah, I I don't know. I probably had six, eight, ten throws that I shouldn't have made into that kind of coverage with OBJ. And I believe that he is now conceptually gets it and and, and will understand it going into next year. Brad, I also think that – you know, OBJ's got to understand as well. All right, listen now. Uh, you know, at the end of 60 minutes of football, there might be a couple of games, OBJ, where you see Beckham three catches for 34 yards. He's are been you, pretty good about you that. Cool, well, are you cool with that, OBJ? Yeah. Are you absolutely. cool with that as long as we got – a W next to the Cleveland Browns in that particular game where Beckham caught three balls for 34 yards and only had five targets. Are you cool with that? Because I need to know that now. I love you as a player. Your talent is just uh, off the charts tremendous. And the ACL, and is that going to affect his vertical speed at all? None of us know that right now. But the point is, is I think you you got to have a buy-in with OBJ to, as we talked about earlier, you know, um, if this receiving core comes back the way it is, I'll just leave it there. You know, it may not be eight catches for 124 with with two touchdowns every week, Odell. You know, it's probably not going to be. And are you not going to be? Yeah. Is that good for you? We're winning. Uh, So. I think that conversation has to be had, but I also I also believe that um, uh, that from Baker's standpoint, he learned a lot of things this year, and I don't think he's just going to haphazardly lock in on OBJ and put the football in harm's way and trouble as much as he did in 2019. I would want to believe that he has matured and grown from that to be able to use a premium talent like old Joe, uh, Beckham Jr., to his and the Browns' advantage. I would like to think so too, Michael. I'm. Uh, you know, let's hope so. And and I th- I don't really think they have much of a choice but to bring him back. Um, and uh, so let's hope that that works out. Um, 
you sound confident in it. Uh, I I think uh, I think I am confident that Baker made huge huge strides without him that can be applied with him. Yes. Uh, yes. So I think yeah, that that is a positive. Certainly. Agreed. Let's hope that we that bears itself out on the field. Uh, okay. You know. We've talked about Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I think everybody knows how we feel about him. I mean, he, you know, the culture change, Michael, in one year is remarkable. Nothing short of remarkable to see that culture change. And I point to to people that, that ask me about buy-in or culture. I point to Richard Higgins with Freddie Kitchens where they're fighting through the media. He's not getting on the field. And then... They sit Rashard Higgins this year after signing him to a one-year deal. They 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 sit him uh, for weeks maybe three and four. I think that's right. He didn't even dress. Then he comes in, has a huge game uh, in when he does dress, and they ask him about it, and he has nothing but glowing things to say about the coaching staff. And I knew they had believed in me the whole time. The complete opposite of what you saw a year before with kitchens there. So that to me I can point at and say that's buy-in, that's culture change right there. And I think you saw that uh, up and down with Stefanski this year. The guy's a flatliner. He, he I mean he's he's there for everything no matter what. Uh, the confidence uh, you know, to get blown out in week one and come back in week two and do the same thing. And you know the guys just said that that you know, Batonio talked about that uh, from week one to week two, how he didn't change, even though they got crushed week one. It just instilled confidence in them. I mean, he's just done uh, – you couldn't have told me that he was going to do this good of a coaching job, and I would have told you you were lying at the beginning of the year, you know, uh, to change this much in Cleveland. I just don't think uh, – you know, I could throw bouquets at him for days here, Michael, but uh, – Well, he had I mean, a lot on his plate. You're right, Brad. He had a lot yeah. on his plate coming in here, and, uh, you know, he did a lot of things. And what I loved about it, he's convicted, and he believed, and from day one let this football team know – you buy in with me on this, and we're going to succeed. Succeed together. And that's uh, that's exactly what they did with uh, more to come. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, uh, very deserving of his uh, Coach of the Year award. And I hope no with the various other outlets that he has more coming of the same. No question. Who do you like this weekend, Michael, before we get you out of here? You got uh, Tampa Bay at Green Bay and Buffalo at KC. You like the home teams? What do you think here? Yeah, both the home teams are slight favorites. Um, boy, I tell you what, if it's very hard right now with the way he's playing to uh, say that anybody of us could perceive Aaron Rodgers in the pack getting beaten in Lambeau in 20-degree weather with maybe snow on the ground. So, uh, sure, they're the favorite there. I will say this, if <laughs> If Tom Brady has one more in him, I would not be shocked and fall on the floor. But no. I still like Green Bay. Uh, not in any blowout standards, but uh, I like Green Bay to win that football game. And uh, Kansas City-Buffalo, I mean, um, you know, how capable is Patrick Mahomes going to be, Brad? I mean, that's the question. I if he's know. right, I can't – if if he's – 
close to being right. If he's 80%, 90%, it's uh, – and Buffalo's been terrific this year. Really like the job Sean McDermott has done, of course, with Josh Allen. But uh, there again, tough task to beat Kansas City in Arrowhead and uh, in an AFC championship game if Patrick Mahomes is, is right or close to being right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, one thing, the last thing here, and I'll let you go, Michael, one thing that's rather daunting when you look at uh, the Josh Allen and and, and Mahomes and mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, and that boy, the AFC is just going to be absolutely loaded with young gun quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Herbert out in, La, in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, they are just going to be – uh, the AFC is going to be a dogfight every year. They're going to have legit uh, contenders. It almost you can see a little bit of a group kind of coming to the top here that yeah. you know may sustain and maybe those same teams every year. We'll see here what happens. But uh, well, you're right. Some, certainly, and, and again, Brad. Some, that's why. Excuse me for interrupting, but that's why it was so so important that the Browns took this strong ascent this year with Baker, right? Because uh, took that step with them. Yeah. Yeah. You just laid it out. I mean, those, you know, those quarterbacks that you mentioned in the AFC and we got to see what happens to Deshaun Watson too. Um, you know, put him in there as well. I mean, send him to it, the NFC. If he gets moved. <laughs> yeah. There's uh yeah. So, um, and I don't know. And then I, I don't like hearing that, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Colts are going to go after Matthew Stafford hard and see if they can pry him away from Detroit lions. Cause to me, you talk about arm talent. One of the guys that, you know, is t- uh, to me, just, he won the top 10, 12 quarterbacks in the NFL to me. And I played on his played on a terrible team. I mean, a team yep. that doesn't know how to build around them. So what are you going to say? But, uh, yeah, there's always things that happen in the offseason. But, yes, those young guys you mentioned and add Baker with it are going to make the, uh, you know, the AFC uh, quarterbacking uh, look-sees every week something to behold. It'll be a lot of fun for sure. Michael, uh, every time you come on the show, it is a lot of fun. Uh, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and uh, I'm always uh, – could not be more happy to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Thank you. Gentlemen, I'll take scholar. I, 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 nah, I can't. You don't want to see my transcripts. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it differently if I, uh, if I had it to do over again. But thank you, Brad. It's always hey, great to you, see you. You and me both, Michael. Yeah, great to see you and enjoy the games this weekend, and I hope we catch up soon, buddy. All right, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brett.